Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Spits and Suds on 105.3 The Fan. I'm Gavin Spittle, joined by two-time Stanley Cup champion, two-time NCAA champion, one of your favorite Dallas stars of all time, and they will pack the American Airlines Center for an afternoon matinee where stars alumni will take place uh, we'll take on the Edmonton Oilers alumni, and if you go see that game, you get to see the Stars Oilers, and I guess a couple of people bought tickets to that as well, and that features some guy named McDavid. How are you, Craig? Uh, I'm good. So you're trying to say we're the highlight of the day? Absolutely, man. Yeah, that'll turn into a low light real quick. <laughs> How about yeah, your the, time the, on the ice? One thing that will, hey, the one thing that I think we can agree on that will be noticeable is maybe the pace of the game, especially <laughs> going from watching guys like Matt Duchesne versus uh, that McDavid guy. And uh, it may be a bit of a drop-off if you hang around for a few minutes to watch the the older guys get out there and play. Yeah, <clears throat> yep, yep. Are you saying Alice Hemsky still doesn't have the wheels? Well, well, you remember? I do. Uh, well, no, you weren't there. Who was that that left when you came to the charity game? Was it Hemsky? It or was Hemsky. Who? Yeah, yeah. So I don't even know if he's off the IR again. Every time he plays with us, well, you know, he's playing for Edmonton, so yeah, <clears throat> he may be a little worried about some of the guys here on the Dallas team that may want to rough him up a little bit for for not playing with us since he skates with us all the time. Now he's a trader going back to the Edmonton boys. So what's the, uh, have they announced the lineup and who's playing for the stars alumni Saturday? Uh, yeah, you would have to ask me that now you could have asked me that. So I was prepared for it. Uh Um, well, I can tell you that Vern Fiddler will not be playing. We were hoping Fitz would play. Um, Darian Hatcher's coming into town. Nice. So Hatchie will be here. Um, Kevin Colley, uh, don't that he played for the Islanders, but Kevin lives here, works for the Stars at one of the Star Centers. And then um, let's see, I'm trying to think of some of the names that uh, guys might remember. Bobby Basson's on the IR. Yep. So I, I mean, it's just amazing how many of these guys uh, they just don't take care of themselves. Apparently, that's right. I mean, you know, if you if you're not with the Craig Ludwig diet, then I mean, you just can't keep up. You got to keep all the the parts well lubricated. Absolutely. And how would that lubrication happen? The drink of Craig Ludwig. Well, I don't want to narrow it down to just one. We're still looking for beer sponsors, aren't we? That's true. No, we, we, we certainly are. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Miller Lite. Yes, Miller Lite. We are looking for beer <laughs> Absolutely. And then on Tuesday, Craig and I have a charity dinner that we'll be doing. Um, thanks to that's uh, more of a roast. We've established that yep. should be called the spittle roast. Yep. <clears throat> I honestly do not want to go. And um, I'd rather be watching Stars Rangers. But um, I will attend because well, you're someone... telling me that we can't get a get a seat there with that's got a TV on it, so we can take it all in. I mean, if we sit at the bar, we can. Well, <laughs> when in Rome, <laughs> that's true. So we'll give you the uh, update on that uh, next week. All right, a couple questions for Craig today because I've always been fascinated with this, and you've talked about this, Craig the stars playing man to man in the defensive zone. And I want you to explain from our, for our listeners, the difference between 
man-to-man in the defensive zone as opposed to zone, and what are the pluses and minuses of both? Well, man-on-man basically means that from a defenseman's standpoint, if uh, if a forward comes to the net, and let's say it's Connor McDavid, good luck with that coming up on Saturday. If Connor McDavid comes to the front of the net and, and you're standing next to him or uh, he enters the zone, you're the defenseman that is defending him, after he makes a pass, obviously, if he if he keeps the puck, you you stay on him, right? You stay on him. You try to pin him, seal him, and let anybody else on the ice touch the puck besides number ninety seven. But once he moves the puck, where you would typically hand him off to a forward that's low in the zone, should he get up above the the face off dot above the top of the circles, you're basically letting him skate into coverage. You're letting him skate into your two forwards that are between the tops of the circles and the, and the opposing defensemen. So you kind of contain players like that and keep them in an area where you've got more than one set of eyes on man on man means when Connor McDavid comes into the zone, passes the, the puck off to whoever it may be, you're supposed to stay with him wherever he goes. The cons on that whole thing is first off, it's not easy keeping up with Connor McDavid. So that'll be a challenge in itself. Um, but what happens then if McDavid hands the puck off to his Batman and Robin, he hands it off to Robin, he gives it to dry You stay with McDavid. And if McDavid wants to go for a skate, you go for a skate with him. If he wants to skate up around the tops of the circles, or he wants to get higher near the blue line, you're supposed to stay with him. That's man on man. It's kind of like, I got my guy. Well, <clears throat> it may be a little bit easier when you're playing against maybe third and fourth line guys because obviously they don't have the creativity, they don't have the hands, they don't have the bank account that Connor McDavid does. So now what happens is if you lose him, now it becomes an outnumbered situation possibly someplace else. Or he ends up getting into a quality area because everybody else – and what what I don't like about it is – from a defenseman standpoint, if I'm following Connor McDavid away from my net, I have to be facing the other end of the rink. I don't see what's going on behind me at the net where I'm supposed to be. That's number one. And I'm too far away from the net to help defend that I've been trying to do since we were six years old. Now you end up having a forward down there because more than likely if McDavid because there's a lot of motion, a lot of movement going on. People exchange positions. So let's just say, for instance, Tyler Sagan was was up on top of defenseman, and that's his guy. Now, they, he doesn't have the puck, but he's watching that guy. Now, if that guy goes to the net, Tyler Sagan's supposed to go with that guy. That's why we see when, when they play man-on-man situations, we will have forwards who are generally groomed to play not in that area of the ice. They play at top of the circles or a centerman typically will help with the defenseman down low um, and kind of have numbers. And we call it numbers. We want numbers around the quality scoring areas. It's pulling somebody away from where he typically plays for a long time. And it could possibly be putting forwards down there where they don't generally play. They don't play the same way against people in front of the net, not know how to defend, not have the body position all the time, not know where you're supposed to have your stick. So it's just, again, it, it, it puts people in 
situations in areas of the ice that they, you know, haven't been playing for their entire careers, unless they, you know, started at 15 playing man on man for their whole life. <clears throat> so it, 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 now if you've got a good quality skating team and you can keep up with those kind of people, it can be effective, but I just find that it, it's, it's pulling defensemen and I'm only speaking from defensemen it's pulling defensemen out of good areas of the ice to defend and putting them in areas where I would not like them to like to see them now that being said watching the game against Carolina I don't know if there was a change but there were times when I would watch a defenseman in, in previous games that forward that's standing in front of the net and and if he goes into the corner or he goes to get up high our defenseman go with him I didn't see that in that game now, I don't know if there was any kind of change or or what, because if, if you watch that game, there weren't a lot of opportunities for Carolina like we've seen with other teams where there's guys standing alone in front of the net. Yes, there was one where Ottinger had to make an incredible save on, but but there weren't as many. There were, I didn't see – now, a couple times I saw Miro out above the top of the circles because that's where he was – you know, that's his guy again in that system – um, that, that's basically what it is. And my, my only pet peeve is, is, is I think you can, you can get away playing that way. If you're playing against certain teams, I just don't know if you can, you can dine on it all the time. I think you got to be able to adjust. And, um, again, it'll be interesting to see, you know, how they want to handle Connor, but it, it's kind of like Ovechkin in, in Ovechkin in the prime. And now he's on a bit of a roll himself, um, again, but when you played against Ovechkin, they, everybody thinks, you know what, we're just going to, on the power play I'm talking about, we're taking him away over there. We're not going to continue to let him shoot the puck and score goals from that situation. It hasn't really paid off because, he, you know, he, he's chasing down the all-time goal record. I think he's got goals in six or seven straight games now. But um, anyway, you know, so when you play against McDavid, he's proven that if you want to put one guy on him, he can make that guy look silly regardless of who he is. So my, my opinion is when you play against him, you're better off having, you know, have some help and let other people do the damage. I mean, if you can have a couple guys close or at least one guy that's on him all the time, and, and you know, that's going to be Merrill. And, and the last time that Haskinen played against him, I remember in Dallas, he did a, a, an incredible job on him. Um, and so, you know, that I'm going to guess and say, we're going to take Miro and we're going to put him on McDavid, wherever he goes in the offensive zone, Miro's going to be in his pocket because he's probably one of the, one of the very few players in the NHL that can actually skate with him. But with that being said, now you have to, the other four guys have to be able to work together and can't get caught out of position because there are Hyman, there's dry you know, there's other guys there that can score for Edmonton besides just Connor McDavid. That's a long, long story, but that's I, – I hope I painted a, a, a some kind of a picture. Right. Similar to, let's say, basketball or even football <laughs> where they switch defenses during the game and give diff, different looks. Could you do that as far as Edmonton Saturday? All right. We know, you know what? it's going to be tough. Yeah, I know speed. what you're saying. Yeah. I know what you're saying, but I don't think – in hockey, you, you have, you have your, your team. Yeah, and, again, like I, I say this all the time, Look at where Dallas is in the standings. So yes. it, it's it's working for them. I mean, they're you know they're at the top right now, <clears throat> you know, and they're on their side there. Um, so it, it's like, hey, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Well, you know, my my whole thing is never really about the regular season. It, it's about the playoffs, and and we saw it last year in the playoffs, and we saw when goals were scored, 
and and there were players standing behind the net or players standing in the corner that's not they in my opinion they're not supposed to be there so um it's about playing because when you get to the playoffs and you get to the second round then the third round and then the finals they're really good teams and they're really good teams they're really good players they're all clicking on cylinders you're supposed to limit opportunities and you don't give quality scoring chances you know you you keep things difficult on the other team <clears throat> so um like I said, I, I'm looking forward to to watching Miro and Drysidle, uh, or sorry, Haskinen, but I'm going to be concerned about the Drysidles, the Hymans, the other guys making sure because that means that you know there's going to be a forward down in front of your net. If if Edmonton is going, hey, here's how they play, Connor, you're going to do your thing. Um, so you may come out of that game with you know maybe not a goal, but maybe two or three assists. But again, Jake will have something. Ottinger will have something to say about that. But anyway, um, th that's just my, my opinion. I, I just think that, you know, you, you don't want to give anybody. I mean, it, in, you know, whether they're in the top three, top six, top nine, you, you really don't want to give them up outnumbered rush or opportunities below the hash marks. And especially I, I and again, I don't I don't put it on forwards all the time. It's not where they've been groomed to play, so to speak. And they still have a job to do, you know. So but again, I can't it's hard to argue because. Dallas just they're, they're winning hockey games and they're you know they're climbing up the standings. I love that you said that that it's tough to switch and that where they are. And the reason I say that is is because for the Spits and Suds listeners, I want them to understand it from the other sports because there are a lot of people that have said they listen to this podcast and, and to learn things. And the fact that you as a 17-year two-time Stanley Cup defenseman said it's no, you you can't really switch it up on the fly like other sports that's that's fascinating well well so, okay so let me let me just be clear on that now just because when i say make a switch i'm talking like in game all of a sudden go from here to here yeah i think that what they can do is they can you know they can check the game after carolina oh uh, again i'm saying i don't i didn't see a lot as much as i've seen in the past uh as far as defensemen traveling away from what I consider quality scoring inches may uh, or chances. Maybe, maybe they made some kind of a switch. Maybe they're preparing for Carolina and now Edmonton. So, but, but you can have different systems. I mean, you can work on things throughout the course of the year, you know, depending on your opponent. I, and again, I think the, the philosophy for us and a lot of teams is this is us. This is who we play. We believe in what we're doing and we're bringing it every night. We're going to get really good at what we do. And, but it doesn't mean that you can't have something else in your pocket because for me, playoff hockey is about adjustments. And I thought there were a couple of times last year during the playoffs that they could have made a couple adjustments and, you know, just little tweaks here and there. So, and I'm sure they've all learned from it, you know, and, and we may see that starting in the last, you know, 20 games, who knows, but, but you can come in with a game because these guys are, I mean, they're the best in the world. It's not like they can't and haven't played a normal well I, depends on what who considers normal but man on man and zone coverage are just a little bit different right we know one you just follow a guy around the other one you kind of have to be in certain areas you take away call it quality scoring areas so they can they can easily switch i mean will they come in with that kind of a game plan i don't know but i i think over the last six or seven years a lot of people have had and tried game plans with Connor mcdavid and it hasn't really panned out so but I can see in this circumstance, they do have the one guy, the one defenseman in the league, one of few that, in my opinion, be the closest to be able to, you know, step by step. Uh, you know, when Carbo played 
And, you know, long, long time ago, and Carbo wasn't the fastest skater, Guy Carbo, and it wasn't the fastest skater out there, but Carbo knew position. He knew how to frustrate the Forsbergs, you know, the, the good players. He could frustrate those guys because they they had no space. They had no time. And what you really do is you learn tendencies. And that's the only way I survived. I knew that when I played against a certain forward, when he was coming through the neutral zone, got into the offensive zone, I knew, did he did he like to fake a shot and then try to make a move? Did he go down the wall most of the time and try to take a shot from there? Did he like to get to the interior? Or does he want to come up the wall? Fedorov, and when he played in Detroit, if you took the middle away and you could give him space, as soon as he got about to the hash mark, he'd always curl back. He'd curl back up the wall. I did my job because we always have a guy coming back into the zone. Now, all of a sudden, he curls up. We have a forward coming back, and we can shut him down. So, anyway, it's it's just different different ways to play. And I and, and like I said, these guys are all smart players. They have a uh, a very smart coaching staff. They may already have a game plan to you know to play against these guys coming up on Saturday. You and I have talked on spits and suds regarding you know mm-hmm. that we like Ty Delandria a lot as a player, and we like what he brings to the table, the aggressiveness, the energy, and. We saw that the other night, Luds, and uh, I'm hoping, and obviously with the Dodonoff injury, that's likely the case that we'll see the Landria in consecutive games, and hopefully similar to Lundquist, you know, it's tough in and out of the lineup, but we saw when Nils Lundquist was in the lineup on a regular basis, you know, how the consistency appeared as well, and it'll be great to see if Delandria can equal what he did on, on Tuesday night. A team high six shots, it's not going to happen all the time, but he just was active throughout the game. He made a good case for himself, not only for the next game, but for when the Donov comes back, uh, as far as who would they take out of the lineup? I, I think that, but now he has to, you know, continue to do that. Um, you know, that was one game, but we, I think we've agreed. I mean, we've seen, uh, Delandria play that kind of game before. I think sometimes we're always wondering why isn't Delandria in the yep. lineup? He brings this, he brings that. So um, anyway, you know, you saw what he did and you now you see what he can do when he gets some minutes. And I think that was the biggest thing. I think when you look at um, <clears throat> the game that he played, the chances that he got, he he's a guy that plays in straight lines. Yep. Um, he's not the kind of guy that comes into the offensive zone and curls up, right? Like he doesn't curl toward the wall. He, he takes the puck to the net, which is a direct game, which I, you know, as a defenseman, you know, we find that a lot harder to play against. So, um, you know, and again, I, I think that you're, you're probably not going to see Wyatt, uh, Landria, whoever, I don't think you're going to see those guys out there against the, you know, the Hymans, the McDavid's, you know, it depends on what they do with their lineup. You might not even see them out there against Leon Dreisaitl and, and Evander Kane, if that's how they run their lines. But, you know, the other two lines that they have, Fogel, McLeod, Holloway, guys like that, they can, he'll play against them. So he's, I think he's still, but again, what you know is that the top two lines for Edmonton get a lot of ice. And, you know, so the bottom two lines don't. So, you know, I think it plays right into to the role that Delandria plays in, and he's going to be fine doing that. And I don't I don't think he'd have a problem playing against, you know, the, the top lines if he gets stuck out there. Or not, I don't want to sound like stuck out there. If he's out there, you can hang there and get the change when you change. I don't think you have to be concerned about him being a liability on the ice uh, against top, top lines. You know, they want to have certain lines to play against certain people. And, 
you know, we'll see, do they want to go power on power? And I would think the way that, that Duchesne line is playing, that would be, you know, possibly my choice to play against the McDonald, you know, McDavid's, but we'll see what they, what they do. I mean, they kind of change things around in Edmonton and, you know, I think the last game they didn't even have McDavid and dry together. Um, so I think one of the top lines in the league are when Drysaddle, Hyman, and McDavid are together. So, um, but the good news is, is they're they're the visitors, and and Pete DeBoer will have last change and get the guys out there that he wants against them. So, tell me about Jamie Ben because I think it's a lot of Stars fans are are looking, and and we know there are things that he does on the ice, and I want some want you to point out some of those things. Um, but you know. Great year last year, and this year, you know, it's been a little bit slow for the captain. Yeah, but why is it slow? Again, because of the McDavid line. Or, sorry, McDavid line. I'm stuck on McDavid. Because because of that other line. Yeah, I mean, Duchesne, Archman. You know, look, look at what that line is doing. And it's hard not to trot those guys out there more than, than anybody else. I mean, we know that. You know, you've got your other, the hints line and Robo and Pavs. And so you've got two top lines. So Jamie, you know, we talked about this, you know, before, like where, if Jamie gets pushed down a little bit in the lineup, where does he get his minutes? Well, he's getting his minutes on the power play. I mean, the guy, it seems like he never loses a faceoff or at least an important one. So it's always the right time to have Jamie Ben out there when there's an offensive faceoff in, in the offensive zone on a power play. And, you know, on, especially on the left side of the ice, you got to have him out there because most of the time he wins that draw. And then what does Jamie Ben do? He goes to the front of the net. He's like the perfect power play guy. You know, and again, I could, I can kind of compare him not from a centerman taking faceoffs, Corey Perry. And we're probably going to see Corey Perry in the lineup against the stars. Um, I, you know, again, on Saturday. So Corey Perry, if there's a power play, maybe not the first one, but Perry's going to be, he, he makes his living, you know, inside that crease and at the other end of the ring. So, but that's what Jamie does. I mean, and Jamie's their leader. I mean, that hasn't changed. Um, he's a physical guy. He, he plays within the role that he gets. And I think that's the beauty of, of Jamie. Is he a top, top two guy right now? Top, you know, top two line guy. No, but if, you know, one of those centers goes down, you're going to probably plop him in that area. It all depends on the game. So, um, but you know, as an opponent, regardless if he's been in the league for five years or 12, you know what you're going to be playing against. And you know that if one of your players or yourself has a questionable hit on, you know, one of the Dallas stars and you know who you're going to have to answer to, you know, Jamie's not going to run around like he's Ryan Reeves or anything like that because he can play the game. Um, But you know, you've got to, you know, you, you may have to pay the price with Jamie. I mean, he, he is an all-around player, but let's let's you know again who's the only one undefeated in this whole life is Father Time. So um, it catches up to everybody. Yep. And does he have the hands and the speed and every everything that he's had before? No, I don't think many players do. But he gives you everything he's got when he's out there. All right, let's talk old school versus new school because a few days ago, Ottawa in the final seconds had an empty net goal, and oh I know. Ridley Gregg of the Ottawa Senators, I don't know, probably, what do you think, 20, 30 feet from the net? Decides to do Oh, I don't know. I'd say about 10. 10? All right. Let's say 10 feet. Does a full-on slap shot to score the goal. There was about seven seconds remaining. So he could have, you know, I mean, he could have just tapped it and he could have done whatever he want. But Morgan Riley, the defenseman for Toronto, does a beeline to him towards the boards, 
Greg is not looking. Very high stick across the face. He goes down. Morgan Riley uh, suspended by NHL player safety for five games. So, personally, Craig, I think I I wish Morgan Riley went lower and did something um, because because I'm not against what he did, uh, and I'm old school in that, but I think you have to have a suspension when you go to someone's face like that with a cross-check. But, you know, there are the new school thinking, like, what does it matter? And, to, you know, it's very much like the old school baseball sliding into second base hard or taking out someone on a double play or, you know, these things have been banned from baseball now. So I just wanted to get your thoughts and if you were playing what you would have done and what that means to a team when you're about to lose, you know you're going to lose, and then the opposing team almost wants to put an explanation point on it. So there's a lot to unpack in the unpack in this whole thing. Yes. Um, I have no problem from either side. I, there, there's no rule that says you can't skate to the top of the crease in an empty net and take a slap shot into the net. There's no rule against that. Correct. Do whatever you want. Was he rubbing it in a bit? I don't know if he was. I don't know if he has that intention to say, hey, I'm going to ram it up Toronto's ass right here. I don't know if that's what the line was. But, but there's no... There's no rule against it. And it's Ottawa. <laughs> you know, they're at the bottom of the league, um, but they have a way of beating Toronto. So, but there still is, you know, the rules, the the old school rules. Like it, it's kind of like, you know, snubbing your nose at, at a team. And, um, but what I, this is more about O'Reilly than it is about Greg. I will say that if you watch that in slow-mo, Riley, he did not mean to cross him in the face. Right. I agree. It slides up the shoulder pad. And and that's what you would typically do on any kind of a cross check. Not that, you know, again, I know they're not that legal and all this other kind of stuff. But, and I think Greg saw him coming. He took a look over his shoulder. He saw him coming. I don't think he expected what happened. But I think what he expected is it's not Ryan Reeves coming. Okay. It's Morgan Riley. And so you don't, first off, you don't, he's not a dirty player. Never has been. First time he's ever been suspended in nine, 800 games. How many he's ever played? He is, you know, he's an offensive defenseman and he's a skater. He's a really good player. So he doesn't have a history of that. So I don't think you're worried about Greg's not worried about that, but there is the code. So you kind of stuck it in our face. And the other thing is, there is this persona. It's not even a persona. It's true that Toronto is a soft team. There's a reason they go out and get a guy that I, I don't believe he's got a big impact on the game anymore, but he's there in Reeves. They they have that that stigma about them. They, they lean on four, five super skilled players, that team. And there is a belief that they're not going to make it through the playoffs again. They're going to, you know, they're going to get in, but uh, when the playoffs get cranked up, it, it, you know, it's, it's tough. It's the war of attrition. And, and so they bring in Reeves, but they can't play him more than 10 minutes a game. What does that do? And in the playoffs, you take a dumb penalty. How many times does it cost you? Yeah. So I think he went, I think with everything that bubbles up in Toronto about being a soft team and this and that, don't think the players don't hear it, see it, feel it every day. 
And I think what, what Morgan did is he saw an opportunity. You know what? This was wrong. Nobody else is going to step up and give it to this guy, whether you agree with the, the way he scored the goal or not. He was kind of making a statement, I think. And like, we're not going to, we're not going to accept this anymore. Now it will be determined in the next month or so. What happens if Toronto comes out when, when he gets back and for maybe not even a reason that he's part of everything that happens, but he is, I mean, he's part of every offensive thing that or most offensive things that happen there. What happens if they become a, a more galvanized team? What if they rally around him and go, you know what? Good for me as a GM, maybe the GM sitting up there going, dude, go take your five games. I'll find a way to pay the fine because we needed somebody to step up for us like that. We needed somebody to show some emotion and, and quit accepting losses the way we are. We're not going to take it anymore and we're going to have a pushback. And if it costs, you know, one of my best players for five games, it's not like it's two games before the playoffs start. It's not like it's in the playoffs. There's time for him to get a rest. Not that he wants it, but maybe inside there, there's other guys thinking to themselves, I should have did that. I should be the guy doing it. It shouldn't be one of our, our, if not our top defensemen doing that. He doesn't have to do that. We need to come together more as a group and play a little bit tougher. Maybe that happens. And if it does, let's say they get past the first round for the first time in 30 years or whatever it is. How many, how many of these, what do you call them, pundits or whatever, are going to start looking back? And what happens if they go – you know, they, they, they play at a, a 700 rate going in from, from now until the playoffs start, you know what they're going to do. They're going to look at that moment yeah. and say, this is when they came together. Yeah. So I think it's still TBD to see if it, 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 it pays off for them. But like I said, I, I told you just the other night, I, I don't have a problem on either side. I, I think that it's okay to do what Greg did. And it was a bit of a, a spitting in my face kind of moment for, for Toronto. And someone stepped up and said, no, we're not going to take this anymore. We're not going to get pushed around. Yeah, I was wondering if he got leadership points in the room. <laughs> you know, that's to be determined. But I'm sure his teammate wasn't, you know, unhappy with that. Um, because, yeah, it's... I it's, think that, you know who's probably the happiest? Happy and sad that he's going to be missing is the coach. Yeah. I mean, Sheldon Keith, he he's the guy that runs that show for him. You know, and, and you can see him. He's a frustrated guy right now. You know, he's yelling and he screamed at his players, you know. They know that every night they play the game, they're on national TV. Yeah. You know, and so you don't see a lot of coaches come down hard on players like that when they know the cameras are on them. And so you can see he he's frustrated and, and, and you know, you're in the fishbowl there. So there's always, we need a new coach. You got to get rid of the coach before a playoff starts. Right. These guys aren't going to be able to make, you know, all that kind of stuff. So now he's got a guy that, you know, pulls that, that off in that game and he's going you know what one of my leaders stepped up for me now let's the rest of us follow follow along you know let, let's survive you know the next four games or whatever they have left before he comes back and let's let's take that and let's plant that flag and let's let's have that be part of our identity let's have that pushback from you know from all 20 guys it doesn't mean you're gonna you know now i'm not talking about the cross checking and getting suspended and stuff like that but let's play with an edge let's not be known for you know for our our top goal scorer in the league let's not be known for marner dancing around or or nylander being possibly one of the best players in the league let's be known for something more than that because being known for that isn't getting us every year year after year where we want to be 